two questions. Oh, no. At that point, why didn't he just stay in the bathtub? And are we going to ignore the fact that he shared a sandwich with Colton? <laughs> Okay, here's his first question. Good books or resources for learning distilling? Arts and Spirit Magazine. Boom, I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I, wait, I have, an, I, no, I have a serious one. Uh, Artists and Spirit yeah. Magazine. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Colton, do you want to chime in? Uh, I really like Whiskey Advocate. <laughs> ooh, ooh. Um, Tasting Whiskey. Tasting Whiskey by Lou Bryson. Lou Bryson. Oh, that's a great starting point. Wonderful yeah. person, wonderful yeah. book. Um. Ing Russell, Ing Russell whiskey. It's like whiskey production packaging. It's I N G E R U S S E L. She's the editor, a good scientist. That's a pretty. It has some technical bits in it. It's a pretty cohesive distillation book. Is it's it, focused mainly around single malts, but it's a great book. Okay, it's called whiskey yeah, production, uh, technology production, and marketing. Yeah, that's it. By that's a Russell. great book. And then the alcohol okay. textbook. Like, that one's a good start, too. Yeah, I mean, just even further than distilling, going, like, you know, the yeast book by Chris White and Jamil Zanishef and the malt book. I forget. Uh, John John Mallet, um, head brewer of Founders. The Seagram's. Just getting, the Seagram's getting old, familiar with the... The Seagram's distilling book, which is a practical guide to distillation. Yeah, but they only have that out in pieces, right? No, you can get it from, I think, White Mule Press has, like, the hardback cover now. I mean, even just for beginning that, that like PDF artisan distiller or whatever, um, that's not bad. But I don't know what 160 page PDF that we all have, I'm sure, that you can find online when you search how to become a distiller. Wait, I'm trying to think of what other books I have. Really think about Michael it. Jackson's. Like, I love the Michael Jackson. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. The Michael Jackson that's books perfect. are great. Michael. I have this sweet book called Firewater. Yeah, it's about South African brandy. South African brandies, that's right. <laughs> what? Yeah, I have a book called Firewater. It's about South African brandies. Really? It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's about, like, and it goes in all in the history of the South Africa and how they started to make it from the Dutch and everything. So there's, like, this history element to it and where they're making it now and how they make it now. And It's a great book. It took me a while to come around and buy it, but there was only a few prints left, I think, at the time. A good, a good, resource, a good resource is just going to White Mule Press. Yeah, it's exclusively um, for distilling books. They do. The, they have a lot there. By the uh, way, also... real quick, guys, the author of that South African brandy book is Craig Fraser. Oh, it's, it's in my living room. Yeah, it's Craig Fraser. Okay, just in case anybody wants to find it. Uh, there's also the Guide to Urban Moonshining. Uh, that's by the Kings County people. Yeah, uh, Collins. That Coleman. one's good. That one's I like. A good book. I like the first two thirds of that book, and then it gets into like cocktail recipes and stuff. And right, exactly. Yeah. It does. It kind of goes a little all over the place towards the end, but it's well written. Yeah. I mean, cocktail recipes are important. Oh, for sure. Sure. If you're in this industry, I honestly think yeah. is that you, you kind of branch out too. Like, if you're going to make single malt, or if you're going to make bourbon, or if you're going to make brandies, there's you go down, you get down the rabbit hole, right, and you go into start reading wine, wine books, or. You start reading beer books or, you know, it's kind of branch off into the specifics of what you're making. There's tons of books on just basic fermentation, right? right? I mean, yeah. you're going to get a little more analytical. I mean, you're not, 
you have to take a grain of salt whenever you read a book that's just distilling 101 because it's going to be pretty entry level for a lot of that stuff but it's a good place to start if you want to really get into it try and find like some really good well-written scientifically reviewed works on fermentation aging things like that i mean there's a lot of good writers out there you you got phds like gary spedding you've this got is- uh, technical side versus industry and culture side right right yeah. right exactly that, that's and now, what he granted, was asking what about this guy yeah he just asked blatantly so i mean i think it's good if we give him because i mean shit bourbon empire is one of the best good. Like, industry i love books. bourbon empire i think i've, re- I've did read did you guys read the read. millionaire's vinegar no billionaire's vinegar billionaires it's not about distilling <laughs> but if we're just gonna talk about <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If we're just going to talk about good books that are in this industry at all, that is such a good book. Yeah. Well, there's proof. There's a book, Proof. Oh. Alyssa liked that book, I think. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, Proof. Um, mm-hmm. um, there's a book called Drinkology that I think is all cocktail recipes. I should, like, I should take a picture of my bookshelf that's in my living room, and you should post it on yeah. the, yeah. Uh, what's that photo thing, the that's Instagrams? A... You're so hip. <laughs> she could also just post it to the Reddit, too. That'd the Reddit. Um. Uh, some good drinks writers and people that write about the industry and spirits and spe- uh, specifically Lou Bryson, Wayne Curtis. Sorry. I mean, those two are great. Uh, <laughs> we honestly, all love Lou. Yeah. I mean, everyone. Who did loves you Lou. say Lou's after Lou? Uh, Wayne, oh, Curtis. Wayne Curtis. Yeah, Wayne Curtis. Yeah, both of those are really good. I I couldn't recommend those two guys enough. Do you have a third writer in this industry that you love? Um, I would get points I, anytime Luis Ayala writes something, he's more rum centric. Oh, yeah. oh my god, he's great. great though. I like proof. Yeah. Like I brought up proof before the website. Like they have great ar- <laughs> articles. Yeah. No punch. Punch. Sorry. Punch. Punch. Hey, punch I have punch. already been drinking. All right, guys. <laughs> I can see should. that it's daylight in that yeah. room. <laughs> Don't shame me, Devin. <laughs> what was that? Uh, what were those books that you guys both got? About Japanese whiskey. Have you oh, read those the yet? the new um, uh, Dave Broom book. Yeah. Dave Broom? That's what we just got. Yeah, Dave yeah. Broom. I have a few of his books. Yeah. Uh, that Japanese book that you got, it's beautiful. There's actually a new fermentation Quartz. book that's not out yet, but I pre-ordered it for both of us, Colton. Yeah, it's all about koji and Japanese fermentations, pretty much. Pretty oh, bad. guys, we got a, a real question. Yeah. Well, I wasn't ready for that. Yay. So this is from all the way at the a user called Considers Consider Spiders. Awesome. And they said, Well, we are a home distilling sub, so tell me, have you guys got something bubbling away at home? Maybe at your holiday home in New Zealand for legal reasons, <laughs> which is something I hope to have at some point before I die. Awesome. So Thank guys. you for protecting us on a All federal right, so level. So you can say I have some wine that was shipped from California down under to New Zealand. Um, I have a still, but it's completely ornamental. And I have nothing brewing because I hate hobbits. <laughs> so I fucking refuse to go to New Zealand. Yeah, you should put a quick um, note in there as the reader is obviously aware, but for everyone else that... Yes, we definitely do not endorse home distilling because it is a federal offense. But in New Zealand, where they wisely pointed out, this is what we would have. Oh, man, I'd be making fruit-based spirits all day. You can say for me that because of where I'm at in Washington State, I would be doing as much apple brandy as I I physically could. It's kind of the same way I would do it. Do you love apple brandy, Brian? 
I do love apple brandy. I feel like, like who doesn't love, love apple, apple brandy? brandy? Apple brandy is a beautiful thing. Thank no, you, Zeno. I think I'm not saying that it's. I just think that it might be a favorite of Brian. The word favorite Thank is you. bullshit. Because the word favorite right now isn't my same <laughs> favorite in five minutes. Wait, you should also say that we don't do a lot of home distilling because it's it's difficult to want to come home from a facility that is set up for easy production and cleaning and then want to distill on your you know make it's the same thing with system. brewing like i mean once you get yes. like it's your job you're like yeah yeah home brewing is a lot of work for yeah. little <laughs> results and i mean distilling's a little less but still it's like yeah I, I mean i i don't know i i there's parts of me that wishes that it was legal i wish it was legal just for the consumer right. based aspect right. where you know when home brewing got legalized it was a boom yeah i mean but if I was making something, yeah. I would make gin. No, I mean I definitely make gin because I gin's great in the summertime and it's easy to make. And you know what? I, I can tell you, I, I knew a guy who made a bunch of gin from Burnett's vodka. So it's like you know he used that as neutral grain spirit and just redistilled it. He was a New was Zealander. Fun. Yeah, he was a New Zealander. He looked strikingly like me. Yeah. <laughs> so really grotesque or handsome, depending on the yeah. viewer. Yeah. <laughs> Try not, Sorry, try not to cream your jeans, you guys. <laughs> Too late. Make that noise. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I came to the podcast cream jeans. <laughs> Ew. Uh, cream jeans. Cream jeans. All right, guys. I'm going to ask a, another question from Twitter. From, again, at Mr. Proofrock. Proofrock. Oh, Proofrock. Is that a crack thing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you really, you really show how much you know about drugs, Brian. <laughs> For someone who's never even done coke, <laughs> you really no, that's very evident. Yeah. Wait, okay. wait, wait, wait! Is that a fat joke? <laughs> Which was oh, a joke. You're way too fat to. That was it. awesome. Well done, Devin. No, it was not no, a fat it's, joke. It's oh, super God. obvious you don't do coke, Brian, you know, because of all the extra layers of fat on your body. No. Coke Brian. people are skinny. <laughs> You're like if a walrus did coke. <laughs> okay. um, measuring brew house efficiency in a distillery, question mark? Yes. Yep. Is the answer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, so we first... First, you measure how efficient your mash is by taking how much carbohydrates you get per pound of grain. Then you measure your efficiency of your distillation system by how many proof gallons you get out from your theoretical yield you should be getting from that initial amount of grain. Yeah, it feeds into the efficiency side. So House Spirits out of Portland, Oregon, they consider themselves a 30-barrel brew house that just happens to turn it into spirits. So that's specifically how they built up their entire operation when they did their expansion. So it's pretty common. Are you not writing the questions? Oh, yeah. Okay, hold on. Just random (laughs) answers in there? (laughs) Devin, you should do an AMA on how to do AMA. (laughs) (laughs) That shit's hard, man. That shit is hard. I love how much shit we give to Devin as the only person who does any work (laughs) out of any of us. I love, like, her text messages, like... She'll ask a very reasonable question or make a reasonable suggestion, and then she gets shittier when we don't reply. <laughs> well, and also she's committed to the understanding that you're going to say something completely douchey. Douchey, yeah, obviously. Yeah. I can't be nice to her. Yeah. In my mind, too, like, 
or, uh, Zeno never actually responds quickly. He's always waiting for us to say something so that he can take the opposite. He does that all the time. Listen, you guys don't know you my always rule wait. text messaging, don't you? No. That if I don't answer in the first, like, three minutes... It's going to take three years. Yeah, the likelihood of me answering it all is slim. If you guys then respond, then it alerts me again, and then I will respond. So you're the text version of, like, playing hard to get? Actually, I will say that I am the same way. Sometimes it takes me a long time. (laughs) <laughs> you two are basically twins. Oh, gross. <laughs> Same body. Why would you? <laughs> Alright, so the question is what? Measuring brew house efficiency. How do you in measure brew house efficiency? First line is proof you, gallons per bushel. Well that yeah, I mean that's the the double macro way perhaps, but double macro. <laughs> First measure your Efficiency on your your mashing side, how much uh, bricks or specific gravity you've gotten per pound, and then measure the the yield of your distillation system by how many proof gallons you got out of that mash, right? Just to bring yes. it bring it down lower than bushels, because most people don't use bushels. Yeah, no, bushels, it's, it's, it's silly. It's uh, really yeah. fucking what is, stupid what is bush, size. Like, what is bushels as far a as... A distiller's bushel was 56 pounds of grain. Okay. So it could be... No, what's weird is they use bushels in all kind of industries for grain. But like a bushel of malt is like 34 pounds, whereas a bushel of corn is like 53 or 54. But to make it easy, in distillation and double macro size, they, uh, they make a distiller's bushel... 56 pounds. Um, but to Colton's point, the, the great way, yeah, it's right. Like you have your grains. How many sugars did I get out of those grains? And then of those sugars, how much alcohol did I make? Okay. And then what were my, what did I distill that I actually put in? And this takes into account your cuts. And if you're going to do a faint run and all that, how much did I actually get that I used to put in a barrel for aging or and a bottle for consuming. Did that distill it down for you? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I fucking quit. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. I never even signed up for this. You guys are keeping me in a creepy basement. That's what listener doesn't know. Yeah. You're our prisoner. Prisoner. I like how she said that. Prisoner. Prisoner. <laughs> now you've just alienated our Spanish. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like... Don Quixote is not listening anymore. <laughs> Dos macros. Dos macros. Wow, you guys do terrible Spanish accents. <laughs> you know, That's because terrible. we're not racist, Devin. <laughs> you especially, Brian. That was really bad. That was an unforgivable Spanish accent. <laughs> All right. Two questions, Dan. Two questions. I, I still didn't see that one on Reddit. Maybe I don't know how to use Reddit. Okay, next question. So we're going to do another question from Twitter. This one says, ideas for developing new spirits slash grain bills. So what are your ideas when you guys are developing new spirits? Colton, you work for a distillery that famously has so many SKUs. <laughs> we have a couple. So goddamn many. So what are your ideas? So we look at, we look at you know, what's been done, what's traditional. And then you just kind of slowly branch out from there. You go, okay, well, 
Normally, you use corn, barley, rye, or wheat. Why don't we use corn, barley, amaranth, or corn, barley, something else, you know, and just keep branching out that way, or just how about we add one ingredient here, like smoke. Do you guys ever sing the Black Betty song in your head whenever you say amaranth? Oh, Black Betty, amaranth, oh, Black Betty. (laughs) Is no, that not is that song not going through everyone's head all the time? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what what how do I make new products? It's a, it's a marketing point, but it's kind of what what you're saying, Colton. It's what trends are out there, but yeah. it's more on a double macro scale. So I mean, right? There's when you're adding flavored whiskeys or flavored vodkas; those are huge trends, and clearly the place that I'm affiliated with sets a lot of those trends. Um, on an, another way that you want to do it is by what you have in stock and what you can blend and what you want to make with those blends. So without going to details that I can't go into, I could say, you know, we have a gap of, we don't have an age product, maybe as much as we thought we forecasted that we would have. So there's money that we need to make to fill that gap. So you have to get creative, like, okay, well, what age spirits, like, that you have, or maybe it's even considered overaged, and that's when you get into the real creative aspect of blending. Did you get he's all saying, that, Devin? He's saying blending. Got everywhere. Blending. Blending. No, got, blending is a new. I got. Do you, you guys know what I mean? I got blending. No, Brian no. and Colton. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. I, I think up, that's. Brian. I think that's really hard to do on a <laughs> on a micro micro macro. Is it scale. though? I don't know if you make. Uh, Say you're try so all right so then here I'm gonna pull. But then it to, that's a one time release for double, me. That double micro. That's true. Do um, double down on the micro. It is yeah. So it is it is a, maybe a one time release. But say so say you're like you're starting out and you're hashing out gin recipes. Yeah. I mean, you don't tell me you can't blend some of those to a profile. That's double true. Food. But then do you release thirty gin skews or? I mean, some people do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I no, you don't. But I, I think what we get down to when you get to the root of it, it's that: what do I like? What elements do I like? Do I like uh, citrusy gin, or do I like a juniper forward gin? And then that's how I'm going to innovate. Or oh, I had this gin that inspired me. I get inspired by spirits all the time. Not ever by Corsair spirits, but. <laughs> <laughs> I quit, guys. Yeah. Wait, has everyone quit except for me? It's, it's just, just you me and Devin now. Myself. It's just you and Devin. Oh, just God. me and you. Twins. Twins. The twins are finally like, together. Look at oh, it in a mirror. It's <laughs> so the same. All right. Uh, Brian, you want to weigh in on this at all? Yeah, Brian, how do you make how new products? How do you products? make your new product? I make zero products. I'm not a distiller, and therefore I am completely superfluous he to just, this conversation. He just makes new I am, kids. I am, yes, I, I make children, I'm charming, <laughs> and I talk at people. That's essentially my, my reason for existing. Brian, let me ask you this, what? though. Um, geez. <laughs> uh, okay, if you, since you are on the media side, we talked about trends developing and then that kind of blossoming, do you usually, are you able to follow that? Do you start to see stuff take we hold do. and then you're able to kind of guess what's going to start coming out more and more? Have you seen anything that really embodied that recently? 
probably the best example recently over the last 18 months has been American Single Malt. That yeah. one. And yeah, I'm in a really lucky position where I get to travel around and taste things out of barrels that people have been playing with and experimenting and doing market research. And that's, you know, big guys, little guys, everything in between. And so we get to see things out, you know, you know, anywhere from 20 to 30 months out, what we're going to see released if we're talking about an age product. And the best example is American single malt, which part of that was just actually seeing it in people's barrel warehouses and also seeing kind of the back end industry side where there was an actual American single malt um, association that got together. And that's not their full name. We should look that up, but it's an American single malt group. Commission, American single malt commission. Thank you. You're part of that, right? We sure are. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, you guys, uh, Westland, Santa Fe Spirits. Oh, there's um, like 30 or 40 of them now. There's tons of them. So that was really good to see that happen. Uh, I've seen some of that with other sub-spirits as well. So like gin, there's been a couple people trying to start a gin society, so on and so forth. But American Single Malt is probably the best example of that. Yeah. And I I think that there's a real, I mean, okay, so why is American Single Malt? Why is it blowing up? Colton, Devin. Brian. Colton, yeah. Colton. Well, I think it gives us some of the, I, I mean, I think, you know, bourbon still is king and still sells the easiest, but the big guys, the double macroers, make it so, so damn well that it's hard for us to. What is happening? Brian, I don't mean to sound insensitive, but I think you should go upstairs real quick, duct tape all your kids <laughs> to a wall. the floor or something. Just... Do you realize I have three of them now that could easily overpower me? The second I go upstairs, I'm not coming back. They're babies. That means that there's 67 that baby. couldn't overpower one, you. One of them. <laughs> <laughs> like, I am weak as fuck. I am a skinny, coked out whore, apparently. <laughs> Um, So where was that single malt? Okay. Well, real quick, we do have another question from a Redditor. What? What? These things work? This one's a hot take. Hot takes. Ready? This is from user named Kilos, but with a one instead of an I. And he said, don't see you on Google Music. Is that coming? I don't know, editor. (laughs) Devin's fault again. (laughs) Devin. I'm just slowly trying to ruin this podcast. That's what's going on. Oh my God. Um, You would not have to try. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, right. It was ruined when it started. Say, who uses Google Music for podcasts? That's how you should reply. Alienate that bastard. Just say Stupid. they're racist. Like, go with the internet response. You're racist. How dare you? <laughs> you racist. Sexism. We are. <gasps> guys, real quick. How do you guys feel about this thing with Morgan Freeman? Pretty with the Morgan crushing. Freeman? You mean the movie Seven? It's an okay movie. It's a little dated. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> Honestly, Brad Pitt's performance, pretty terrible. <laughs> it was god awful. Don't you dare talk about Brad Pitt that way. <laughs> What's in the uh. box? What's in the box? What's in the box? <laughs> My heart for Brad Pitt. That's oh, what's God. in the box. <laughs> hey, in the Fall is a good movie. Great movie. Uh, did we have a question? Oh, yeah. Google. Uh, get on that. Yes. All right. Should we respond to another one of Mr. Proofrock's Yes. Questions? Proofrock it. All right. You should also wait, copy wait, and hold paste on. We got to finish. Ah! We got to finish. Uh... <laughs> what's happening? <laughs> 
<laughs> Brian did a fat line before he did it. Yeah, a fat line. <laughs> oh, back to the fat jokes. Jesus Christ, Devin. Christ. God. Have I mentioned that I think you're lovely and I respect you a great deal? Oh, I hope that makes you feel shittier. <laughs> It doesn't. doesn't. I know, I know it doesn't. I couldn't possibly feel shittier. (laughs) Uh, Well played. So, single malt. Okay. I no longer remember where we were in it. Single malt commission? What's it called? Good. That's all all I wanted. I like single malt. I think that there's a lot of room for it as as a category because it's still in the process of being defined. Agreed. The right. okay, so how where we were, by the way, with that was we were talking about why it was getting bigger in America. Oh, yeah, because the small guys have a lot more room to play. I mean, you come from the brewing side where there are all these different kinds of you know ways to manipulate the malting process to get certain flavors and characteristics, and that's just starting to be experimented within on the distilling side. And it's a what lot I easier like, to do the experiments on a craft scale than a macro scale. Yeah, and what I like about it is uh, there really isn't, it's not, there's some people that try and do the scotch thing, right? Like you, you want some peat, but what? it doesn't have to be that, right? It doesn't yeah. have to be scotch single malt. It can be its own thing. I really haven't had a spirit yet that I'm like, this is American single malt. Yeah, and, it seems and, very undefined. Right, and that, that's maybe a good thing right now, but I can't wait for that thing that we're like, oh, yeah, American single malt, this is what it is. Well, right like, now, the main defining thing is that it's malt always aged in a new barrel in America, right. which is half of the reason the single malt commission is there is to expand the standard of identity so we can move on from that. And, yeah, use used new barrels if we want, but also use used barrels and... Well, it's yeah, and, and for the record, and... I am all about reusing barrels as many times as you can. So I just want this any the listener to know that. <laughs> uh, I know that there's a big market, secondary market for barrels, but reusing barrels, there's a lot to it. And, you know, obviously Scotland does it, Japan. Like Japan started doing single malt, and they do great single malts. They have yeah. amazing single malt. Yeah, but their model that... was pretty bait, pretty... It was it was based off of scotch. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and that is arguably. But it was based off of why. it was based off of you know scotch that comes in with all these like rules and traditions that they need to follow. Where the Japanese came in and said, "All right, we like this, 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 and this. We don't like this part or this part. We're gonna take those out." So they basically brought it back to Japan and you know had, made it their own. Had hundreds and hundreds of years of experimentation and tradition and you know learning from the scotch and then we're able to to make it yeah make it their own but it's going to take a significant amount of time right yes yeah do you think that american single malt will ever get to that level yes i'm very optimistic because so so my my reason for it will i agree it's going to take a lot of time but the reason i say that is because of all of the what we would consider craft, which is essentially smaller distilleries of all the products I've tasted in the U.S., probably the most promising I've tasted have been single malts. Mm. The ones that really get my attention, the ones that have a lot of room for innovation, and the ones that are just, honestly, even at this stage, really damn good are American single malts. So I think it could get there. And the fact that we do have you know, an American single malt commission 
that helps a lot too. So that already shows that there's some community drive behind it from the industry level. That's a really good signal. Was that way too serious? You're laughing, Devin. Should I have? Should I have thrown in a dick joke, or is Zeno doing something awkward? No, it's Zeno. It's always Zeno. Zeno's being stupid. Yeah, it was real bad. God damn it, Zeno. I was trying to be serious. I know, and it was really good, and I just don't know who to look at. Uh, <laughs> do what I do, and just always keep your own feet up. I'm always looking at myself. I don't I even look at you me, guys. Brian. I can hear yeah, you that's me, Brian. Yeah, that's me, Brian. Well played, Colton. Uh, you All know, right. it's, talk about wait no. So like that timeline of when American single malt will be good. Think about well, bourbon wasn't a thing, right? Like it was brandy and rums, and like that it, it was bourbon or rye because that's what was there, right? And that's well, that's the spirit of. But like to really define what that is in the category took. I'm sure we could do the math and figure out how many years it took to really establish this is what bourbon is. Right, and American single malt, I mean, it's very much in its infancy. Well, and just think about how long it took. I think the first, when was the first Japanese single malt distillery open? In like 1912 or something, right? So very early 1900s, if not earlier. Yeah. And to bring this full circle back to the original question of trends and can we identify and see trends kind of on a future aspect, I would say another good example, not to completely derail this conversation, but is rye. American rye, yeah. we really saw the rise of that. And that happened in a pretty quick time frame. I mean, we went from within a two-year period of rye selling on the open market, you know, a barrel of rye basically increasing in value three, four hundred percent within two years. It's incredible how quickly that changed. That's still going on too. Yeah, yeah. And I'm talking about that on the sourcing model, but you know, restaurants, retailers, everyone saw the price of rye going up pretty significantly. Would you guys agree with that? I mean, you guys see that more on the actual production economic side as well. Yeah, I, I agree yeah, I with mean, it. I mean, you're saying rye recently, how it's on the uptake? Uh, I'd say in the last four years. I mean, rye has really been growing yeah. fast. These I, days. I think that recently. more like in the last even 10 years. So like, Yeah, that's probably Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I mean, the whole bourbon boom, rye was like the counterculture, the subculture of bourbon, right? And so it was like the cool kids, like, yeah, I like rye whiskey. I like it to be a little more spicy or whatever it is. And that that kitsch kind of caught on, and then people were doing, well, man, well, rye has this rich history, so people got on that bandwagon. But, yeah, you're right to where rye has been in, on the sourcing model and how far-reaching it is. But, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think that what really helps it is that it's, it's like uh, bourbon's redheaded stepchild. I prefer it, actually. But hey, we have a new question on the AMA. I know. Is it not the Spotify question? No. As a distiller yeah. who is looking into getting into uh, distilling wine, yeah. any advice when it comes to making brandy? What key consideration should I be looking out for when evaluating the wine to distill? That's don't, my job, Brian. Don't oh use my sulfur. god, I fucked it up. I'm so sorry. Hey, Devin, we don't need you. Oh, Go away. Go okay. away. <laughs> I'll just leave. Now. I'll talk out of both microphones. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that all three of us could go away, and it was just Devin, and we'd get more listeners. This is still talking with Devin for me. <laughs> hey, you got my last name right. Thank I've you. never got it wrong. Great. Alyssa! 
Oh, is she already gone? <laughs> no, come, come back. Hey. Hey. Hey, buddy. Oh, I can't hear every... Oh, because you have headphones in. All right. <laughs> hey, All right. Could, get off could, that could camera you, Could you give... Uh, go. Give, no, give her the headphones. We need to talk Wait. to her for a sec. No, Zeno, bring her back. Hi. Hi, darling. Listen, How you doing? I'm good. You're officially invited to be on the podcast. Yay. You can come on right. whenever you want. Oh, yay. Could you... Actually, we need your help. Could you... Could you Tell Zeno we don't need him anymore, and we would prefer you to hang out. He can stay in the corner, but also we're kind of tired of talking and listening to oh him. Oh my god! So yeah, he's. You're gonna have to yeah. handle that. That's okay. He's yeah. Never is allowed like to be on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we we you're think you're delightful. I can't hear them because of you. You're so loud. Yeah. Perfect. Right, that's you're what doing we've been a great saying. job. Thank you. You're doing really good. Could you tell us a story about Zeno real quick before you go? Oh. Something really embarrassing. Oh my gosh. Okay, let's see. Um, I, I seriously can't think of anything except something super embarrassing that I'm not going to tell. Ooh, what? Tell no, us. no. It's what, too. It's floor? too. <laughs> okay, okay. I didn't like hunker okay. down and just shit on the floor. Okay, okay. <laughs> okay, all right. I haven't told story. the story yet. They don't okay. know it. Okay. You're just yelling about shitting on Isn't the floor. Isn't him shitting on the floor? Okay, all right. Yeah, oh, so I think amazing. Devin and Colton have probably already heard this, but... No. No? We have not. I have. Um, no, I haven't. So it was after, actually... That's, um, that's what you were thinking of. Yes, Zeno and Colton. <laughs> Colton went to... Um, well, I guess I probably shouldn't say the name in case you guys do end up putting this on the podcast. A place in Nashville and had a sandwich. Had a sandwich. Colton and I split the sandwich. Yeah, but somehow only Zeno got food poisoning and he was in my apartment. <laughs> what? So when Zeno. How is that actually possible? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Must have been some shit on lettuce. It's crazy that if someone shits on a produce, it makes you shit. <laughs> <laughs> so circle of life okay so when Zeno gets sick someone to make, I think it's animals to make, actually this part's pretty embarrassing too in my oh, opinion to, oh, please. to make himself feel better when he feels sick he takes a bath oh yeah it's the so greatest he, he yeah. lays in the bath <laughs> like a, it's just real cute I feel like the build up now so is that I shit in the was... bathtub and I'm swimming in the <laughs> I mean it's pretty close that's not what happened so he's laying in the bathtub because his belly's upset <laughs> you make him sound like a three-year-old child. I love that so much. Were you rubbing his hairy belly the no, whole time? No, no, <laughs> no, no. She was far away no. from. <laughs> no, I don't like baths. They freak me out. So, kind suddenly, of same. Yeah, they're disgusting. You're just sitting in your own filth, especially You're cooking if you're yourself. <laughs> <laughs> She's my new favorite. <laughs> So I suddenly hear him yell out and all of the water starts to splash. <laughs> I look over and he's trying to make it to the toilet because suddenly he's shitting. <laughs> but also throwing up. Oh no! Both ends, same so, time. Double rainbow. So long story short, he shat on the floor. Wait, and it started while you were in the bathroom? I was so I was laying in bed, he was in the bathroom. And yeah, and he, um, he, and you're just covered in water, like, and water <laughs> and poop and vomit and oh man, okay. it was awful. And you still said yes. <laughs> two, two questions. Oh no. At that point, why didn't he just stay in the bathtub? And are we gonna ignore the fact that he shared a sandwich with Corey? <laughs> and also, 
know why was Colton okay. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know any of the answers to any of these you questions. Yeah, fucking iron stomach. I think dude. it was. A, I think it was a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I assume there's blackmail that? involved. This is the man I love. Honestly, if you could watch somebody struggling to get out of a tub. <laughs> And then shit. Wait, was was he struggling because you were trying to push him under? Like, what, what was happening? And then you can still get married. That's true love. Yeah. There's like nothing can love. bring you guys down. Aww. Hey, thank thank you for making him his stupid face smile. Aww. That's really sweet. Aww, yeah. thanks. He that looks very happy cute... when you're in the room. That was a really sweet story about Zeno shitting yep. <laughs> on yep. the floor. <laughs> when I. I'm only going to tell him you're out of the podcast, by the way. I'm, I'm in. <laughs> I've always been. <laughs> okay, bye, guys. Bye. Amazing story. I, the best part was is watching all you guys because I lived this story. So, uh, <laughs> just I watch just, your reaction. I can imagine it so clearly. It was so brutal that her roommates boyfriend of the time he told me like weeks and weeks and months later he was like i he's like i was gonna i was looking up on my phone could someone die from throwing up because i do everything ca- a little aggressively yeah <laughs> i never noticed yeah. <laughs> um this question isn't easy this question isn't easy to answer there's a lot to think about. this question yeah well that's good yeah what is so it? advice when it comes to so the question is, as a distiller who is looking at getting into distilling wine, any advice when it comes to making brandy? What key considerations should I be looking out for when evaluating the wine to distill? So do you guys want to start with that? Yeah. All right. So first, where are the grapes coming from? And I think that okay. I think that when you're when I think of a wine, Colton, it's uh, I'm like I look at very take very broad strokes and build down from there, right? So titratable acidity tannic content did you do a malolactic secondary um i i'm a big fan of malolactic secondary mainly even for protecting the wine and then i I mean i think that there's a lot of you know they say shit in shit out that's not always true um i've had some grapes that you did not make great wines that made really interesting spirits matter of fact i have uh, new make spirit that's made from Pinotage, that South African Pinot grape. That's weird. It's a weird grape. Like the wines are kind of interesting, okay but kind of smell oh, like yeah. farts. Um, yeah. Oh no, definitely Pinotage is very time. polarizing. Yeah, uh, I kind of like it though. It's real interesting, and uh, but it made a good distillate, and and I think that if you take care. Wait, did you run that yourself? Did you just? Buy a bottle of Pinotage and run it yourself? No. I, In New we, Zealand. We got Pinotage grapes, Joe and I, and we made the wine, and the wine was okay, but the distillate was great. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's on my shelf now, but I think it's like you, you can start before that, but you were getting into it, Colton. It's like, what varietal are you going to use? Are you like, you know, what varietal? Where's it grown? Like yeah. all the things that winemakers think about. Right. Right? Like terroir location variety history and let's be honest how many single varietal brandies are great 
Yeah, probably very trick true. question. None, really. None. Yeah, <laughs> really none. I mean, most of them aren't right, and and if they are, it's not from the same season. I I, I think that you, you make the wine. I, th- I guess having a stock, and if you really want to make brandy too, is like make your distillate and get something aging, so that you can see how it ages out, and then prepare to blend. I think brandy. I mean, I guess I have a real hard on for blending, apparently. Well, yeah. So I mean, I think everybody has a hard on for blending. I think that allowing the wine to finish and age out and go through secondary is important. Yeah, as long as you don't use sulfur. Oh yeah. All right. So all that said, we ran some wine today that. Yeah. All that said, I I, I'm not big on on sulfiding wine for brandy. Like I'm big on sulfiting wine. I really am. Right, yeah, like, put in bit, put in capital letters. Do not sulfite. KMB KMB is great for wine and winemaking and ciders. But when you you go through distillate, you can still do it. You can still do it. Do, it what, just, do you use sodium, potassium, metabisulfite? No, I know. But if you wanted to do brandy, would you use? Because I've actually made the, some of the stuff I've made that was sulfited but did turn out okay was yeah. So was sodium. I, I think you could. I mean, there's other ways around it. So, like, I was talking to Joe. But so, do you? I mean, do you think it's that potassium, or do you think it's it's the sulfite, right? It's I think potassium. it's a little both, actually. Yeah. But I think huh. if you can get away without sulfiting, so control your fermentation, make your wine. And then protect it with malolactic secondary. You agree with that, right, Colton? Right to get yes. to get some more life out of it. And then I would distill that and call that. It's almost like so that distillate of that first one would be my, I'd call it my guardian, eau de vie, right? Like it's my guardian because what I would do with that is then my subsequent fermentations, I would do that malolactic and then back add that eau de vie. Uh, that clean that new make that spirit just to protect it which we've done colton we've done that before right yeah yeah be like so because malolactic is only going to get you so far so how do you protect that through a season if you're letting it finish you're only distilling so much and you have stuff to age out and the the cadence of your production is broken up well have like a sacrificial first run is what i'm saying what do you think about that idea? I don't know. I just was talking about it with Joe today. Wait, sacrificial first. What? So like the first wine that you make, right? Do a malolactic secondary. Get as long as you can out of it before you can't protect it anymore. It's going to go south, right? Mm-hmm. And it finishes out at you know it's secondary. Then distill. Do your two runs. Do your stripping run. Do your spirit run. And then your heart's cut from there. That's your sacri- sacrificial run. That's your sacrificial spirit which you will use for subsequent fermentations to back to, at, to, to protect. To back add. Okay, yeah. yeah, I get it. Makes sense, doesn't Brand's it? Back I really think there is something to it, though. Like Some of that podcast it, stuff. Even if that new, that new make experience, so even if you made your hearts cut and you save that, your faints, I would use my faints to protect my, my, new, my new wines. Yeah. Colton, wait, so I, how do you feel about adding the faints to new wines? To new wine, but to f- finished out primary fermentation. You're not 
right? Just to protect it. You're not saying just a fresh juice and then. Um, no, I'm saying if you, so you had your, like, you have to start somewhere. So you have your wine, you distill it. Yeah, no, I get that part, but you you're, make your cuts. Are you, are you saying your your next your next batch, right? Yeah. So you 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 get in a bunch of new must. Are you just putting the spirit that you made before and making like a mistel, or are you going through primary fermentation? Going through primary, then, going through and then sort of adding secondary. adding the adding the spirit that you made in, right? To bump it up to twenty percent or whatever, just to, to protect, protect it. it, to protect yeah. it, and to, yeah. <laughs> that's part of the reason why we ran some brandy today is we needed to protect some well what what is now going to be port so <laughs> yeah it's a slippery slope i mean <laughs> yeah. so the only comment i have to add to this conversation that has any relevance and it may be totally worthless is the one thing i know when it comes to wine is you do occasionally have people trying to sell shit wine they had a bad batch, there's something wrong with it, and they think they can pawn it off on a distiller. And there is a common misconception that you can somehow distill out the poor quality elements of the wine. Yeah, that's yeah. not how it works. You, you, that's not how it works. So the best, yeah, the best quote I've ever heard regarding that, and this is probably what Colton's going to, is it's garbage in, concentrated garbage out. Yeah, that's yeah, actually shit in, shit of, out. Yeah. That's both of our points, is that it, distillation is a process of concentrating flavors and aromas if you have shitty shitty flavors and aromas all all that said you guys know how i got into distillation (laughs) with some shitty wine i made shitty wine yeah and uh i mean i learned so that goes back to our first redditor's question how do you get into the business i learned from a winemaker (laughs) and shitty wine (laughs) we ended up building something totally legal in new zealand out of a out of a pressure cooker and uh (laughs) And it well, did not get on. better. Let's, let's, and let's I, actually, safety, I actually still have some of the first distillate I ever made. And it's aged in a small Aww. barrel. We aged it for a long time. And guess what? It does it not age well. It's a piece of wood. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if that's the one thing that someone can learn from this question is you, if you start with a bad product, you cannot make it better. Like that is not, that is a really bad philosophy you can put band-aids on it but it's never gonna be but i don't you could i mean people can blend the shit out of it and but that only goes so far and really what you're doing is just bringing down the quality well i should take that back when it comes to blending and you guys would know more about this there are certain negative elements to a product that can bring an interesting flavor component when you're blending it within certain small quantities Think of, um, especially when you're talking about things like over oaked, but I don't know enough about it to speak intelligently about that. Well, besides the fact that it is if we, possible. If we to, jump back to whiskey, I want to prove your point here. You jump back to whiskey for a minute, like G. Osmond and 2MIB, the musty and turtle tank smell. Yeah. Like that is a flaw. And that's a flaw that many, many people are worried, like care about because the threshold level is so low for human detection. And there's a whole yeah. evolutionary thing that I could get into that I think is fascinating about those two compounds. But in some concentration in the whole matrix of compounds, it's it's beneficial to your point, right? Like, so here's this thing that's a huge flaw, but some people kind of want that too when it's you know relative to all the other compounds, the aromatics that come out. 
So yeah, within moderation, right? within yeah. moderation, you're right. trying to look for yeah. certain components yeah. that blend well with the overall big picture. Yeah. And like, I mean, I don't want that, that whole wine thing. You're absolutely right, Brian, which people try and do that all the way. Like, Hey, we made this wine, we made this peach wine and it's awful. And yeah. like, we want you to distill it. Um, that's such a, that's such a delicate, right. Oh, I, I mean, don't, to begin don't, with all right. So like, that. yeah, that's, I arbitrarily pick the fruit, um, <laughs> which okay. is the way I spend my Saturday nights. But, um, <laughs> that is also yeah. Zeno's other podcast, <laughs> arbitrarily picking fruits. <laughs> but I don't want to deter the amateur winemaker from trying to distill. Like if they're like, Hey, I want to make wine with brandy as an end goal learn how to make good wine right like but just because you haven't made it before that's no reason like oh i can't do this it's too complicated right moral of the story is if a a winemaker comes to you and says i got a bunch of bulk wine to sell you cheap it's probably a bad fucking be very skeptical i usually say i'll make it to brandy and sell it back to you there you go usually what happens it's it's not all the time it's not all the time like uh i remember a guy came to Chris Beatty out in he was from uh god damn it not Sheridan Oregon what's the other McMinnville yeah right McMinnville yeah so like uh Willamette Valley Willamette Valley Oregon and he was like this guy came to Chris he's like I want you to make brandy I want to make cognac he's like well uh we don't have the right grapes we're not in the right region (laughs) (laughs) like like all these things so sometimes people are ambitious and they they're not doing the distilling thing, but I think more cases are what you said, Brian, where they're like, Hey, uh, we can't use this wine. Can you do something with it? Question mark. Right. Um, and it's not always good. No, it's not always good. I think that it's really prudent though, as a business move. And I was talking about this earlier today too, about, uh, like if you can get the wine license and the distilling license, that business model makes a lot of sense to me. And it works. But and that's only that's only for certain states and stuff that that is, that that. Sure, sure. Is Oregon and Washington are two of those states. Pennsylvania, do they, do, Pennsylvania, do and New York have are, those, are those other two states. Do they even have those same tax tax laws? And like you were saying, in Oregon, you have to be either a winery that day or a distillery or whatever it is. Yeah, a lot of states don't have that. A lot of states, you just have to have both. a separation between your facilities, a wall. which can be a door or a wall. Yeah, like an open garage door. So I, I don't know. I, I'm not going to get into the details of the legalities of states. <laughs> I mean, clearly, no. If I think anyone has ever listened to this podcast, is they know <laughs> yeah. that like whatever this guy says about laws, uh, don't listen to or government or pretty much anything. Yeah. If he's talking about shit on the floor, this guy knows what's up. Yeah. yeah. It's gonna be weird if she's gonna cut that story out. <laughs> All right, are you guys are you guys ready for another question? Yeah. How do no. you feel? Uh, no. Let's do it. Okay. Ideas for running a tasting panel. Are we talking about from a consumer standpoint, a professional standpoint? There's a lot of I mean, I guess we can merge them, but do we have any further details? Taste tasting panel. Let's start with professional all right, so I guess the answer is get people together, put them around the table. Idea one. No, I think uh, well, I, I'm big on triangle testing, like right indifference testing. So yeah. you validate and train your pain. 
because, you know, people put sensory as a, like some kind of fucking secret magic, and it's really not. It's being it's able practice. to articulate what you can smell and and experience, right? It's practice. Yeah, and it's a lot of fucking practice. experience. Practice, however you want to phrase it. It's like it's not. Granted, some people can detect things at lesser concentration. That's that's our natural biology, but. Right. It's not some magical thing that some people are oh man, like there are super tasters are a real thing though too. But it's not like, oh man, yeah. that person's amazing, like they have this perfect nose. I'm like, no. They do it all the time. They drink all the time. They smell it all the time. They talk about it all the time. They write about it all the time. And they're validated. They're validated by analytical equipment. They're validated by difference testing. They're validated by their peers. And so I think like a way to start realistically with that is start to train yourself, right? Start to write down all the details of whatever it is you're smelling and tasting. That's a really good point. I like the idea of articulating it in a written format of, so you, basically the best way I've learned in terms of tasting and broadening the range of your palate is to get a better vocabulary. That's what it comes down to is trying to figure out what are the things I'm tasting? How do I articulate that in a verbal format that explains to the people around me and to myself? So a lot of times you get people who will taste something and they're having a really hard time articulating it. But, you know, someone who's more experienced will say that's buttery or that, you know, they'll get more nuanced with say that's a barnyard hay must, you know, you get really, really detailed in that. And what does that mean? That you can break that down chemically, but that takes time. So the best, yeah. you really just have to simply start with the language. So some of the ways you can do that, obviously try and find someone who's experienced who can help articulate that language. Uh, there's a yeah. difference between peppery and spicy, you know, or you can actually get tools. Like I won't plug any particular tool, but you can get kind of like there's aroma kits and things like that out there that will help you identify kind of like perfume kits, right? They'll help you identify key elements. So you can actually, I've, I've seen one that had manure in it. I've, I've seen ones that have juniper, citrus, uh, and breakdown of citrus. Wait, did lemon, somebody lime. just send you a box with manure in it? Listen, I can no, no, shit I, in a box I, I and do. send taste, it to you. I have that kind of time. I quite literally have a kit of different perfume grade aromas, and one of them is fucking manure. And it helps a lot because you get it in a lot of like red wines and you do get it in certain whiskeys, like to a certain degree, which I was surprised about. Didn't uh, didn't I ever tell you guys my favorite description of what a good Pinot Noir should smell like? No. no. Oh, so like there's this, God damn it, I can't remember his name now, so I'm not doing him justice, but great fella. He was proudly gay, gayer than a $3 bill. And uh, he said to me, one time we're, that's not a phrase <laughs> I, it is now uh we walked about as much as double macro is uh we walked we, we were drinking wine or whatever and he's a great guy like uh, he's a great guy him and his partner I love them. anyways he said a good pinot noir should taste like a cowboy or smell like a cowboy he's like there should be that's some right. leather yeah. to it so some dirt some sweat and funk a little horsey right but it smells like the earth and it smells like a good day's work and i was like I'm both turned on and really want a glass of Pinot Noir. With a cowboy. (laughs) Served to me by a cowboy. But I know I I thought I agree with that completely. That's exactly right. Yeah, like there's like so much there's depth to its character. That's what makes great. Pinot Noir is supposed to be the best Pinot Noir in the world, arguably, is Burgundy and it is the it is funky. 
Yeah. And that's the beauty yeah. of those Pinot Noirs. There's I don't know. I think some people in the Pacific Northwest will uh, argue at that point. Okay. Uh, Come at me, people from Oregon that think that they're better than Burgundy. Oh, they really do. Because the tasting. Also, that movie, it makes you know, it like makes so happened. much sense why Devin would like that descriptor and also date a dude named Colton. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, is there more of a fucking cowboy name than that? And he smells like all those things: horsey. Yeah. He does. Manure. He does. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. so it sounds like the idea, the answer for the Reddit listener is bring a cowboy. Yeah. Yep. To the tasting Get panel. <laughs> Get on. And it. occasionally smell and lick it. But yeah. Use so use things like tasting wheels and flavor kits yeah. i think that building Use your lexicon experience yeah building your lexicon right yeah that's a really good way to put it yeah i, I mean even just that. having having one of those flavor wheels next to you while you're tasting is super helpful especially in the beginning yeah it, it gets into a little well a little bit of you know power persuasion where you read it and you're like oh well yeah sure i'm tasting that but in general those those flavor wheels are made by great whiskey tasters so it's pretty likely that that sort of flavor is in there the statistical significance of difference tasting you know too like doing a simple triangle test if if you know you have something that's close or you can spike that's a great training tool just to calibrate your nose right you're like this is the gin i made with lemon zest and this is the gin i didn't make with lemon zest right and yeah do two to one and pick the two out of the same and go from there all right do we feel good about that yeah i don't know do you well is that <laughs> how you run is that how you run a tasting panel i guess well that's the i don't know if you want semantics how to set up a tasting panel how we pour stuff in a glass put it great in your ad- mouth hole great advice <laughs> i always trust you brian to come through with the good advice the I'm stuff. here for the layman who may not quite understand what happens when it comes to physics. Yeah. <laughs> hey guys, this post has has had 50 views. That's great. That's good. Which post? The one that we're doing right now. Oh, how many, is how many that times the same have you guys that I've looked at 49 times? Wait, we've posted <laughs> oh, yeah. things. What? Uh, what? This is the, oh, the AMA. I just I just hit refresh again, so fuck you. Keep it up. I'm More. going to. More. That sounded dirty. No. You guys are very trigger happy with the dirty words. You're taking just normal words. More. Liz, that's because we're drinking more. Devin, don't you know how this podcast works? Yeah. I forgot. You we're should know you're part now. of the podcast now, Devin. Whoa. Yeah, but I haven't been Wait, drinking. What is what is this shit? There's more posts with this Vindenum. Huh? How much what? of an effect on sales would you expect being very creative with hybrid meat and yeast? Is that to Wait, us? Where? Uh, I haven't seen it because I haven't posted this. But all right, what's the question? Oh, oh shit! Two. Yeah, there's two questions we, we missed. Two. Guys. Oh my god! All right, hot. I hope you guys didn't have any plans tonight. <laughs> nope, we're hungry and down. Wait, where did out. ideas from running a tasting panel come from? That was Twitter. at the very bottom. Wait, did we it's talk about that? It's on Twitter. Yes. Tasting panel? <laughs> I'm just kidding, did. you asshole. Literally. Yeah. We're moving on. Zeno, I think you're yeah. just very behind. I think you just need to get I'm not very time. behind. You don't even know the renew post editor. <laughs> okay. Uh, let's do let's answer this question from Vin Denim. Um, he says, this is two questions. He says, how much of an effect on sales would you expect being very creative with hybrid mut- mutant yeast? An extinct Egyptian grain, and aging in specially selected 
sentient wood, etc. There's no way this is a real question. No, I love this question. This is so good. Sentient wood, etc. And then he said, would someone very talented at marketing a product just made from NGS be likely to outsell a super involved fermentation slash distillation nerd? Okay, yes. so let's I go with question that, one yes. and then question two. The answer is yes. I mean, we can answer yeah. question two right now, and it's yes. yes. Yeah, question two is the most important because question two answers question one, and marketing is key. The more money you can throw at marketing, the more it matters. Now, yes, there's the argument that juice matters long-term. It's true because you need to be able to sell the second bottle too. But can marketing outsell quality? Fuck yeah. Yeah, like, look at who I work for. Hey, oh, plus your. No, I'm just kidding. We make great spirits. Plus yeah, the idea know. of the idea of question one is that you're marketing to a very small sect of consumer who would even understand what you just what what the hell you just did. Okay, versus... sentient wood is like a D and D thing. I'm pretty sure that's not real. He's asking like, are there barrels made out of fucking hobbit tree and things? Yeah, it's a. Think. Dungeons and Dragons yeah. thing? Mizanura totally Oak. Oak, right? I have a Mizanura <laughs> Oak on, on my show. I will do I will totally do a D&D game with you guys. I've never <gasps> done it, please? but I would do it. Are we playing D&D? I've never I want to so, so bad. So I've read I'm many serious. D&D books. I've played lots of computer games, but I've never actually done a live D&D game with real people. My buddy Ben, you, you guys met my books. buddy Ben. Yeah. He plays yeah. D&D every Thursday now, and it's like something new <sighs> in his life that he just Dude, people are <laughs> people are doing that. They're he doing just get, Yeah, he just he's like, I dude, I just smoke a bunch of pot and yeah. like I'm a goblin for 3 hours. Okay. We just found <laughs> our next thing. Distilling in D&D. Can that be our next ah, podcast? it's it's the second <laughs> show on the network. Three idiots play D and D. There's a podcast about four idiots now. Four idiots. Well, four idiots. Oh plus wait, we're three gonna idiots and Devin play D and D. You're not an idiot. Um, three idiots and a Devin. Yeah. Drives. Oh, I think I think an answer to one of those questions. I think you can answer both those questions like we were doing it right. Like one answer covers both those questions. That doing yeah, the super yes. passion project. I, I'm totally behind it, man. Like, I get it. Like, do hydrolysis with koji and ferment with yeast that you propagated off of a rat's a log. balls. Yeah. Like, I mean, right. like, <laughs> amazing. Like, I Sexy. mean, so like, do a rat that. In New York City, so it's the same yeast of the best pizza in the world. Yeah, do that if that gets your goat and be passionate about it, and that will go a long way. But if you can't market that to the masses which the masses don't care about those kind of things, no. then be happy we, with what you make and then that let that end there. If you want to make money on it, it has to be really fucking good. Well, do you guys say that if you were, I mean, if you're starting out and you do not have a name in this industry at all, especially at that point, doing something like releasing a very kind of obscure passion project style spirit has very little chance of really succeeding. Yes. So, no, I mean, I think it has a chance, right? If you well, I think you, need it, to if you find your niche. yourself a little bit. Right. If you have an yeah, established maybe, that's name. True. That's true. If, yeah. you, have an if you just name. come out of the gate with a hybrid mutant yeast extinct Egyptian grain, I think everyone will see that as it tastes like marketing. I mean, that was I, that's a quote I, I stole from Andrea. 
when she worked at Corsair, she used to say, I know when something tastes like marketing. So if you don't have an established brand or at least an established presence, I think that will fall pretty flat. I mean, you could try it. And if you have a lot of marketing dollars, yeah, it could work short term. But I think it's better to start with a brand that people respect. And then you start throwing, I mean, it's the Dogfish Head model, right? Dogfish Head has a really good brand. People really respect it. And then they throw out these fucking crazy extinct fermentation grain Chinese. Oh, we're going to use your mouth uh, alpha amylase to chew corn. Yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. So not everyone can do that. Dogfish Head can do it because they have a really res- respected brand that they built up. Right, but I mean, I think sixty it's... minute is good. That's what he's that, saying. Exactly, that's exactly. What he's saying. it's good. Yeah, yeah. So that well, first question is the Dogfish Head model. Will that work? Yes, if you have a lot of branding and a lot of marketing behind it. That's the only way. It'll and work. and I want you to be passionate about everything you make. Like you can, don't. You know, we're gonna we're we're going into beer territory here, but. Like if you can make Budweiser and you can make Budweiser the same all the time, people love it. It's crisp and clean. And you're proud of it. Do it. If you're proud yeah. of it, do it. I would say too, and I may be totally wrong on this. Feel free to jump in guys. But I think there's no real middle ground on this. You have two opportunities. If you're big enough with a big enough <laughs> brand and a big enough marketing budget, you can make something weird and esoteric work on a larger scale. Or if you are a small craft distiller with a really hyperactive, hyper enthusiastic tasting room, you know, you have a lot of local fans, you own your backyard, you can make whatever you want that's crazy and they will gobble it up and they'll buy one-offs all the time. But it's really hard to hit that middle ground. You know, if you're trying to hit five to 10 states versus one state or all states, that's where it gets tough. This, you know, and this, I, I think that's where the economies of scale. One-off, one-offs are real hard in the, like, in distilling world too. I mean, like, you can do them, but it's just, it's such a weird... You know, we make these products, especially whiskey side, we make these products that you age for a long time and just to do one or two of them or two batches and then just never do it again. But this we've obviously done we've done them a bunch and I the this sales comes, reflect this comes reflect back that. to a very big like I, I say it all the time and we've talked about it on this podcast before. It's like <laughs> establish a flagship. I really feel like there's value in that. I agree. Right? Like if you establish a flagship, it's earning the trust of the consumer. And then, okay, did we answer that question, Devin? Oh, definitely. I did not write all of that down. <laughs> what? Not word for word. God damn it, damn Devin. It, Devin. You're off. You're out. Keep editing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there was another question. Yeah. Should I read it? Should I steal Devin's job since we fired her? <laughs> yeah. Just... Do it in your best Devin impression. Best Spanish oh. Devin impression. <laughs> Hola. That doesn't exist. <laughs> Do you have any passion project spirit? That was that was German. I don't know why why went German. <laughs> that got weird. Do you have any passion project spirits that you'd love to see more of out of the world, but due to commercial viability, demand, difficulty of manufacture, just isn't happening? Oh. Passion I guess. Project. Do you want me to read that again in German? I mean, he's doing so well with that. (laughs) Yes, please, in German. (laughs) So I will jump in and say, and this is super cheesy of me, but I cannot help but love bourbon cream liqueurs or any kind of, I know, I know. And (laughs) people totally hate me for it. And there's a few that I really like that are somewhat like popular, but it's hard to do. It's hard to do well. You have uh, shelf stability issues. You have serious quality control issues. You have issues with dealing with the big guys like Bailey's. 
That's your um, passion project is a cream bourbon cream. <laughs> Dude, they're delicious when they're <laughs> done right. I don't care what you say. Don't you judge me. How that, are you that right there needs to be the intro How are you of the drink- show. <laughs> How are you drinking that? Are you drinking it just like in a glass? Uh, you either like chilled. Uh, yeah, it has to be on ice. I mean, I believe you get down on it. one knee. And yeah. tip the bottle. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care what any <laughs> motherfucker say. I think it's delicious. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. No, fuck uh, you. I, lo- I love if it with coffee. Drink, so that's, that's my big one is I love creams. throwing like, like a whiskey, cre- a bourbon cream yeah. and coffee is delightful. That's true. It's respect. Like, yeah, I know it's true. You're drinking bourbon cream through a butt crack or an ice luge. <laughs> <laughs> Those are your why options. Do they, why do they have to be two separate things? Because <laughs> yeah. I don't want ice in my butt. <laughs> do you remember that uh, that dinner where we went and had shots of whiskey through a bone marrow luge? Yeah. yeah, which was I'm awesome, awesome in every single way except for the fact that they served the whiskey the in like glasses. the worst glass ever. So we were basically just pouring whiskey on our like hands. It was so. awesome. I was pouring was awesome. whiskey over a bone, putting marrow into my <laughs> into body. your mouth. Yeah, <laughs> can't get much better. My, than I, I think my passion project comes with. Uh, I want hybrid grape brandy to be good. So French hybrid grape brandy. So like uh, Traminette and Chamberson and Chancellor. So like I grew up in Pittsburgh and Colton grew up in New York. So. Those are the grapes that we have available. That's, because that's what's saved, planted in my dad's yard. Yeah, yeah we saved France. Don't you forget it, France. <laughs> we saved your grapes. With our that's actually a really great story, too. Um, but, you know, I so I, 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 I made those weird-ass wines, and uh, Chancellor was the worst wine I ever made, and then I forgot about it, and I was like, holy shit, this is, uh, it turned out to be really good. And I think that Traminette serves well it's you know it's like a Gewürztraminer hybrid. It like has this really nice character to it that I think could make great distillate and will make great distillate. And I've seen some people in Oregon doing some Traminette and also some Gewürztraminer. And uh, I think the Gewürztraminer Grappa from Ransom is one of the most beautiful fruit spirits that comes out of our country. And it's I, I think that there's just a lot of work to be doing with French hybrid grapes and far as distillate goes that's my passion project also a good single malt where i could we could define yeah like oh man like i want to drink that american single malt that says yeah this is american single malt yeah i guess mine's mine's a little different where i'm more like the uh <clears throat> going out and finding the the guys who are doing the traditional spirits but with the spin on it in terms of know the way that the jet like we already talked about the way that japanese did single malt or the way that tasmania down in australia is doing single malt or or taiwan and things like that um at some point someone else is going to do obviously they won't call it bourbon but you know a version of you know corn barley rye spirit stuff like that oh that's cool so you more want to riff on something that's already there i want to riff on tradition i mean i guess i i spend my days in a distillery that does all the crazy stuff. So I, when I come down to looking for stuff for myself, I I end up looking at more traditional stuff that's made with a slight spin, right? So I think I think that a good motivation for both of what I'm saying and what you're saying 
not bourbon cream. So much, <laughs> is that is like what's that old saying? Like desperation is the mother of invention, or something like that. It's so it's like uh, I, I think that you know rye whiskey became popular because rye is an invasive species and it was there. So like, what is going to push yeah. us, right? What's going to push us? Whether it's a small distiller or it's a big distiller trying to keep up. It's like, what's going to push you? Is it a marketing demand? Is it, you know, the consumer demand? What is it that's going to push you in a direction where something new is going to come out? I mean, at this point, though, it's probably going to be marketing, right? Because we could kind of control what we're we're growing. And I mean, I guess tequila and mezcal and Sotol are becoming the next sort of I mean, experimental that's, side. That's but... what I was going to say is um, mezcal and Sotol. Your passion project? Obviously. Sotol cream. I love. Oh God! <laughs> so tall, cream. Full circle. <laughs> yeah. Um. Obviously, like those are super great spirits, but they're already experiencing a short of a shortage of the source material, which is agave and the Sotol plant. Which is too bad because I think, especially for mezcal and Sotol, those have barely even just begun experiencing how how big they could be and how popular they could be in like markets such as the u.s and you know other what places. is it what does it take yeah. for a agave plant to grow so like agave six to 13 is, years or something agave yeah. is six to 13 seven years. years seven, seven years yeah. and for s- but they do micro propping now which is you know like get the cadence and the cycle of it like it's pretty it's down to science but yeah the agave plant's a beautiful thing and then the processing yeah, of it yeah the too. whole i mean yeah. the whole thing. like growing it and waiting the time but the like process didn't, didn't you didn't you didn't you guys have that story about the guy who's fermenting uh mezcal and like goat hide or something i mean that's not that's not crazy yeah. They do that. No, that that's an old traditional style. Yeah, they yeah. literally use goat hide. All I have to say to that is fucking thanks, George Clooney. Yeah, yeah, George Clooney. Yeah, yeah. You fucking dick. Yeah, George Clooney. Casamigos. Dick. Not really. Casamigos. House of Friends at all. That's amigos. Also, also, wow, also, your Spanish Zeno, accent is the worst. Also, Zeno, Zeno, it's the necessity is the mother of invention. You fucking luddite. <laughs> whatever all the questions are answered cool Yay. and and uh we always have final thoughts now i want to keep giving final oh, thoughts oh yeah final thoughts devin you get to go first we're passing your inaugural final thought i think that my thoughts are um, I think you should leave it at that. I think that my thoughts are. <laughs> Therefore, I am. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think that we, you know, that was great. We got enough stuff going on. I didn't realize that New Zealand allowed home distillation, so that's an interesting Only country thing. in the world. And it seems like New Zealand's just getting better and better. I think we could have a really interesting conversation slash debate on the home distilling side of things. I because I... Yeah. Yeah, we should, because I, I'm very conflicted about it, and I actually think I could be swayed one way or the other, because from a marketing consumer standpoint, it would be great for our industry if more people could get involved in it, but I'm also terrified from a safety constraints and also a governmental aspect. Once you start trying to convince the government to allow home distilling, then you start taking away their taxes, and that causes a whole different mess, which is more of an economic side issue, but also the safety, because people are stupid, and I they make a lot of bad strongly- mistakes disagree with that but yes which part of that 
the, the safety taxes or the... part. The taxes part. People homebrew, you right. think that beer is not skyrocketing? Right, that's true, but you have to convince the government of that. I'm not saying it's not true. I'm just saying the government gets scared when you start taking away their taxes. What if we convince them that convinced? anyone who would want to home distill... <laughs> the Convinci code? <laughs> <laughs> I, I honestly uh, think home distilling would literally take almost... Yeah, it would take almost nothing away from the government in terms of their taxes. But again, it's trying to convince yeah, them the of that fact is hard. The safety factor is really safety is a big factor. Big factor. That's a, so we're not so, even at perfect safety among professionals. No, we're, at we're not, very, and we need to work very on that low. A lot. <laughs> yeah. No, that is yeah at every level guys that needs to be worked on yeah so final thoughts for me are we need to have a bigger talk and a more in-depth talk about home distillation i'm excited that we can help answer people's questions and i'm also terrified that people respect us enough to ask us these questions so godspeed to you all and i hope we haven't totally fucked it over for you all right final thoughts from me um i thought this went pretty well i think uh our <laughs> 50 Reddit questions that we presented ourselves were all pretty good. <laughs> and finally, I, after we sign off, I'm going to have a warm glass of bourbon cream and go to bed. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I think that to me, like my whole vision of this podcast is just doing exactly what we do. It's kind of bullshitting, right? It starts out with some structure, but it's really, it's still talking. It like, is. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we do need to be concise. <laughs> we'll get but, we'll get there someday. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know. It's a lot of fun, and I think that there's. I want more interaction from listener. <laughs> yeah, we we really should. We should. That's my favorite. We should start a like a, a listener question sheet for every episode. This is true. Sheet. They write them in through the snail mail, right? Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if I, you'd like to mail us a sheet with questions. Mail us, yeah. You can send it to my P.O. box. Chris only accepts anything delivered in a manila folder yeah. with yeah. scented stamps. Uh, well, I would just right, like guys, to thank I'm, our... Yes, I would like to thank wait, our listener for listening wanna, to the Still Talking Podcast. Devin, go. What yeah. are you saying? I want to redo good. my final thoughts because I don't think yeah. I understood what it meant. So There's no, no do-overs. <laughs> no, that's it. We got it. That's it. No. We're done. Okay. <laughs>